The war crimes trial of San Diego-based Navy SEAL Edward R. Gallagher is ongoing, with the prosecution wrapping up its case this morning. He stands accused of killing a wounded ISIS fighter in Iraq, as well as shooting at civilians multiple times. He has denied all charges and pleaded not guilty. Yesterday, we heard from forensics experts that provided more context about the stabbing of the fighter, and today, the defense begins its case. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton. And this is a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Andrew Dyer, you're the military reporter for the Union Tribune, and you've been covering the ongoing Edward Gallagher case in which he is accused of war crimes. So we wrapped things up yesterday talking about some new issues with the testimony. When you explain what was the new information in regards to the cell phone information that the prosecution has? Yeah, so I think, I don't know if this is new information. It's certainly been reported before, but... Um, the jury saw text messages sent from Chief Gallagher to two other individuals um, who were not deployed to Iraq with him at the time. Um, one was an image of Gallagher holding the fighter who was kind of splayed out in front of him. Gallagher's on his knees with his right hand. He's holding the, the head up by the hair and in his left hand, he's holding his knife to the throat or to the left side of the neck of the fighter um it's similar to what we understand is like a trophy shot you see a deer hunter posing with a a deer one you know picture picture gallagher with an isis fighter instead of a deer and that's kind of what the image looks like yeah in your story you mentioned that uh throughout the conversations some people tell gallagher to be careful with this with the pics well so with this particular photo um, Gallagher says, you know, got my knife skills on. Um, another photo um, from the reenlistment ceremony is Gallagher again posing with the body and then several members of the platoon standing behind him. Now, this photo was sent to uh, another individual and Gallagher says, you know, good story behind this. Um, got him with my hunting knife. And the person then responds, nice. You know, be careful with pics, and Gallagher replies, I know, I only trust you, this is the only one, uh, along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the defense has kind of characterized these texts as being, you know, just rough talk, or, um, you know, they said the SEALs like to, to talk smack, and um, that's how they've explained these texts. Um, and that kind of flippancy is the same... Uh, kind of argument that the Gallagher family has against the NCIS investigators, right? Correct. So, yes, we heard other testimony um, about text messages the NCIS investigators sent to several SEALs where, you know, other types of flippant, you know, offhand remarks are made that, in retrospect, look unprofessional. I, I should say that none of them accompany a photo of a dead body, though. Yeah, that that certainly is, you know in a war different than, you know, an investigator speaking about it afterwards. Right. There's context and then there's context. So, um, it's, I've, I've watched the jury while we're in court and, um, it's really hard to get a tell on how they're taking this testimony. Um, in the military court system, jurors are allowed to ask questions after witnesses are finished testifying. Uh, most of the time they do not, but every now and then, um, a juror will submit a question and, um, you can kind of, you know, I listen to these questions and I try to get a, a handle on how they're thinking. Um, but 
all indications are that they're taking their job as a jury very seriously and um, nothing in their questions uh, has really tipped their hand as to the way any of them are are thinking about the case so far. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the members of the jury are all members of the military as well. So it's, you know, jury of your peers, so to speak. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So yesterday the prosecution wrapped up its case. Why don't you give us the broad overview of the major points against Gallagher? The prosecution's case is built almost entirely around eyewitness accounts. There are those text messages, but other than that, it is the testimony of Gallagher's subordinates, fellow SEALs, that um, the government is using to, to bring these charges against him. Um, we had two witnesses testify that they saw Gallagher stab the fighter in the neck or uh, collar area. We had three testify that they had been in sniper towers where either they saw a civilian shot and heard Gallagher take credit for it or um, heard Gallagher tell them that he was shooting at women. We heard that from from three different witnesses. Um, And also um, some of the charges against Gallagher had to do with obstruction of justice and uh, uh, kind of he was, the prosecution says he was trying to intimidate witnesses. So there's been text messages messages submitted in the evidence um, between Gallagher and various other people in the SEAL community where he's um, talking about these guys, calling them names, saying that, you know, we shouldn't trust these guys. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that's the bulk of the prosecution's case. Now, I did kind of linger behind yesterday after court. I wanted to get to talk to one of the prosecutors. Now, the prosecutors do not speak to media and... Um, we don't normally get a lot out of them, but there are two witnesses that um, I know of that are in the NCIS investigations who they did not call. Um, one of them is uh, Petty Officer First Class Joseph Arrington, who was uh, in one of these sniper towers with Gallagher when these alleged shootings took place. Um, another one, Petty Officer Second Class Ivan Villanueva, was there when Gallagher allegedly stabbed the fighter. Um, Very curious that the prosecution chose not to call either witness. I think that the fact that those witnesses are both represented by an attorney named Brian Ferguson might have something to do with it. Uh, Brian Hmm. Ferguson also represents Corey Scott, who testified Thursday that he saw Gallagher stab the fighter, but then... Uh, covered his breathing tube and uh, suffocated the fighter to death. So you have the sense that maybe they're worried that some other, you know, piece of information or bombshell could be revealed by those other two witnesses or something, right? And, and now, I, so this was my question for the prosecution, and um, I intercepted one of the prosecutors, Lieutenant Scott McDonald, after court, and I said, "Hey, why didn't you call?" Villanueva and Arrington, and he just kind of shook his head and said, well, I'm not talking about the case, and he, he kept going. But um, I think it's a interesting question. Um, the defense, and you know, the defense attorneys don't answer questions all day, um, and they said that it just proves how weak their case is. And if you've got somebody who says they witnessed the stabbing, but you do not call them to testify, um, I don't know. I've, I don't know what that says. It certainly says something. 
Yeah, and it's worth noting that this is uh, probably not an easy case to effectively prosecute because unlike, you know, a murder trial, you know, in, in civilian life, there's not as much information as you'd expect. Correct. There's no body and there's no photos of the body. There was no autopsy. Um, investigators have testified that they tried. They went back to Iraq. And, but the problem is that this is Mosul. Um, in 2017, uh, the site of intense fighting um, with ISIS, who at that time controlled the city. Um, so there are no reliable morgue records or anything like that for them to, to refer to. Um, uh, one of the SEALs testified that, that this place was like a golden egg where you could get any action you wanted. Um, also testified that you could get away with anything that you wanted to get away with. It was a somewhat of a, of a no man's land, um, a pretty grim image of, of Mosul in, in the spring and summer of 2017. Yeah, and that appears to be kind of part of the biggest narrative for those who support Gallagher of that essentially this was a war, he did what he's supposed to do in a war, so why are we putting him and his family throughout this whole haranguing is kind of the narrative on his side. Yes, and we heard um, more about that today. Um, This morning we heard from a Marine lieutenant colonel who had been in command in this part of Iraq um, at this time, and he talked about the combat environment. He said it was the most kinetic he'd ever seen. Um, In military jargon, kinetic means it's a battlefield. A kinetic environment is one in which bullets are flying. Um, So he said that it was very kinetic and that um, the fighting could be intense. these SEALs were not doing the normal SEAL type of mission, so to speak. They, you know, normally SEALs operate at night, it's in and out. Um, however, in Mosul in 2017, they were tasked with assisting Iraqi forces, and mm-hmm. they were kind of doing, they were doing daylight operations, and they were returning to these same locations day after day, kind of working nine to five in support of the Iraqi forces, and um, this was a combat environment um, that many SEALs were not trained to do. That's not normally how um, the U.S. military uses uh, SEALs. So, so far today, uh, have we heard from anyone new? Yes. um, Apart from the uh, Marine officer, uh, retired Marine officer who testified this morning, we also heard from Master Chief Brian Alazawi. Alazawi was the senior enlisted advisor to this this SEAL Team 7 in Iraq in 2017, um, Al-Azawi testified that um, he he didn't necessarily work on the ground with Gallagher's platoon. Um, he said he went and stayed with them for about a week, and during that time he would he saw what their operating environment was like, and he you know um, positioned himself in the sniper towers with with Gallagher. But he said he did not see any uh, shooting of civilians. Um, where Al-Azali's testimony got interesting was um, what he said happened when they returned from Iraq. Now, what we've heard from the defense and from the Gallagher family is that these SEALs conspired to report Gallagher, and they waited a whole year to, to report him. But according to Master Chief Al-Azali, that mm-hmm. is not the case. Oh. Um, the, the platoon returned from Iraq in September of 2017, Al-Azali said that um, Chief Craig Miller 
who was a first-class pending officer at the time, um, reported the stabbing to him in October of 2017. Um, Al-Azali said that um, Miller told him that this had happened. Al-Azali told him that this was a pretty, you know, without eyewitnesses, it was going to be, you know, hard to get any uh, any traction on an investigation into Gallagher. Um, and that's when Miller told him that he had seen the stabbing. Um, and strikingly, in January of 2018, uh, word got to Alazawi that a group of SEALs, including Chief Miller, were on their way to knock on the Commodore's door to report war crimes. Um, and then the Commodore is a, a Navy captain mm-hmm. in charge of Navy Special Warfare Group 1. And um, the troop commander from Iraq, a man uh, named Lieutenant Commander Robert Breisch, ordered Alazawi to intercept the SEALs before they got to the Commodore's office. So essentially the cover-up was the other way than than what they're trying to spin it as, right? Well, um, Alazawi testified that he did this, and um, the allegations were not reported for another four months. Yeah, that is certainly a long amount of time for silence. Yes, and I have not had a chance yet. We're just on our lunch break, but I have not had a chance yet to inquire into the Navy or to Navy Special Warfare Command about Lieutenant Commander Bryce. Bryce's name has been uh, floated as the potential target of an investigation. We know that Navy prosecutors sent him a target letter uh, notifying him he was under investigation, um, but whether or not he'll face charges related to a cover-up um, at this point is unknown, but um, today we have testimony uh, given under oath that um, seems to indicate that um, he certainly took some action to prevent um, war crimes from being reported to his boss. And is there any repercussions for doing that? Well, um, the platoon commander in Iraq, Lieutenant Jake Portier, is currently facing his own war crimes charges um, for just that, for failing to report these actions in Iraq. Um, Portier's trial is scheduled for September. Um, I think what happens in Portier's case is contingent on what happens in Gallagher's case here. Um, but, um, yes, uh, the, the kind of... Uh, Short answer is absolutely. If 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 um, he did prevent the reporting of war crimes, then it is something the Navy could prosecute him for. Mm-hmm. But you have to prove that the war crimes actually happened before you can get in trouble for blocking them, right? I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting question because I think if there's an allegation, it has to be reported and investigated before one can determine whether they happened or not. If you're not even reporting them, then that investigation cannot happen. And um, I think that was a source of frustration for some of these SEALs is that they were trying to report and their chain of command um, was preventing a proper investigation. All right. Andrew Dyer, let you get back to the courtroom. Have a good one. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.